Come on. Welcome to Lifeblood. This is George G, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Scott Melby. Scott, are you ready to do this? I am. Good morning, George, and good morning to your viewers and listeners. Good, good morning indeed. Scott is the CEO of Uranium Royalty Corp. He is the Executive VP of Uranium Energy Corporation. Again, excited to have you on. Scott, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Well, sure. Well, um, again, I'm uh, with UEC as an Executive Vice President and URC, a company that uh, UEC took public uh, a year and a half ago. But on a personal uh, level, I'm 58 years old. I've been married to Louise for 29 years, three great kids, uh, living in uh, Castle Rock, Colorado, uh, just south of Denver. Uh, and, uh, you know, I think what's interesting in my career is I've now spent 37 years in the nuclear energy and uranium industries. So uh, all my uh, career has been in, in that field and uh, just really excited about where things are in, in those industries today. 37 years in nuclear energy. That is a that is a good little while. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, no, it is. It's been interesting to see, uh, you know, having been in the industry all these years, seeing how the industry has kind of ebbed and flowed in, in public opinion. Uh, and uh, certainly what's, what's really been amazing to me is how, uh, you know, obviously this, uh, the, the green energy push or the push to, towards a lower carbon future uh, obviously, has been very disruptive in a lot of industries like oil and gas and coal and, and all that. But uh, we're fortunate to be one of the industries that really benefits and fits that narrative uh, and, and truly fits it. Uh, I think today, uh, nuclear energy provides about 55% of our carbon-free energy as 20% of our electricity supplies. And so uh, while wind and solar uh, can provide you know, carbon-free energy, they only provide energy 25-30% of the time, so we have to figure out what's going what's gonna to fill the other 70% of our energy needs and also plan for growth. I mean, our industries uh, are all becoming more electrified. I mean, the automobile industry, if we go to electric cars the way people expect, we'll probably need to double our electricity uh, production and demand uh, over the coming years, so we better figure out how to do that affordably and, and in a clean, environmentally friendly way. It strikes me that that the reason that 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 we're not getting more than twenty percent of our power from nuclear is has it has it been a marketing problem? Yeah, I think there's always been um, perceptions. I mean, let's face it: the nuclear industry emerged out of you know the the nineteen forties and fifties of of the nuclear weapons program of the Cold War, and you know nuclear energy today is is just so so far from, from those origins, uh, you know, providing you know, clean energy, reliable 24-7 electricity. Um, so I think our industry always recognized the strengths of it, but it was really getting that across to decision makers, policy makers, environmentalists, and even the investment community. And so we really see big breakthroughs. Uh, and again, I think we're just delivering something that society needs, and that awareness is, is really a, a big boost to our industry. When, what what are the headwinds today? If if 
or when you are talking to decision makers, if it's politicians or or just people in the community, um, is it a fear of a Fukushima of a of a of, of a Chernobyl? Is is that what it is, or is it in like, what are what are some of those yeah, headwinds? No, it's, um, and it, it's a timely question. I had the the real honor to testify before the Senate. House uh, Senate uh, Energy and Natural Resources Committee about five or six weeks ago to speak to American nuclear leadership and how do we regain that. And so you're sitting in front of a panel of, of uh, Democratic and Republican senators, uh, and you know there was a time where you know that that could have been a very uncomfortable hearing where you'd get a lot of difficult questions from from the left and you'd get support from the right. And what I was really struck with was. Um, how unified, I mean, it's very rare in this day and age for Democrats and Republicans to, to agree on anything and for them to really be uh, supportive or, or, or just uh, interested in nuclear energy and asking good questions, okay, well, how do we overcome these things? I think safety uh, is, is, a, is a fear, uh, and, and understandably, but if you look at the nuclear energy industry, you know, going all the way back to the 1950s, it's actually the safest form of energy um, based on, 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 on deaths compared to how many billions of, of, of um, megawatts produced over, over that period of time. So safer than any other form, form of electricity generation. I think we, we haven't communicated that strongly enough. Um, also, you know, there's a focus on waste. That, oh, there's so much waste and then we don't know what to do with it. Uh, our industry's um, kept and contained and safely stored every gram of waste we've ever produced since the 50s. In the United States, you could take this volume of waste and you could put it on the size of a football field. So, um, you know, it's not an unmanageable problem. It's, it's really more political whether you recycle spent fuel or you put in a permanent geologic repository. It's very uh, a resolvable issue uh, if the politics come, come alongside. And uh, I think it's a really great record on both safety and waste in that you know, we, we haven't pumped our waste out of smokestack or uh, in a pipe into a river or lake. We've, uh, we've responsibly contained every, every gram ever produced. When you say that it could fit on the size of a football field, tell me more about that. Yeah, so, you know, the, the energy density of, of uranium is really the key to nuclear energy. There's so much energy in a very small package. Um, you know, a, a, a nuclear pellet that goes in a fuel rod and, 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 and certain assemblies in a reactor, you know, would be the equivalent of, of uh, several train loads of, of coal. And so that really um, limits the footprint and the impact of mining on the environment. We don't have to disturb huge areas of land to get that, that amount of energy, but it also translate all the way through to refueling reactors that they, they only have to be refueled once every 12, 18, or 24 months, and they run and produce 95% you know, electricity 95% of the time, and then that translates all the way through to the waste that those spent fuel assemblies would uh, really just uh, comprise, I think that would be a 16 feet high on the size of a, of a football field. So uh, we're not talking about an insurmountable issue there. No, certainly not. I would have guessed that it was obviously way, 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 way more than that. So, um, in terms of of the actually finding the uranium, I've been reading about how um, 
different minerals and metals needed for much of modern living with it's there's there's a shortage so tell me a little bit about uranium yeah so i think um you know i think the pandemic really reminded us of a number of things in our society that are critical uh, whether it's ventilators or pharmaceuticals or we get into rare earth minerals that are used in high-tech applications communications Uh, and we've kind of grown complacent and we've lost control of, of some of these commodities many of which are produced in places like Russia or China. And with uranium, we, we clearly fit that story because we led the world in production in 1980, and now we're almost completely reliant on imports for 20% of our electricity, even though we have probably a billion pounds of known and likely resources across the, the United States. So, um, you know, through my activities at Uranium Energy Corp., we're really trying to revitalize that industry We're using kind of more disruptive technology, if you will, called in-situ recovery, which, for lack of a better term, is a green mining technology, which is very much less intrusive on on the environment and uh, easier restoration and uh, is a mining technology that even even grains, I think, should uh, should embrace. So, you know, we're we're really working to revitalize that. But, uh, you know, in the world today, the largest producers uh, today are in Kazakhstan, Canada, Australia, um, Uzbekistan, uh, Southern Africa, and uh, Central West Africa. So we'd love to have a bigger contribution coming from the United States. And I think policymakers on both sides of the aisle have recognized that. Um, the uh, Trump administration uh, put forward a strategic uranium reserve, similar to the oil reserve that we have. It was funded on a bipartisan proce- uh, process uh, in the appropriations legislation uh, for FY2021. So we're in the process now of a new administration getting that program up and running, which will be a nice stimulus, if you will, for uh, U.S. uranium miners to get production back online and also provide some stability for utilities uh, and, and just provide some energy security for the United States. Got it. Nice. So I think that when people hear about green mining technology, part of my part of my brain, just being honest, right, is mm-hmm. that it's like, okay, you're just slapping the word green in front of mining. Uh, mm-hmm. So tell me a little bit more about that. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, 50% of uranium production in the world today is now in situ recovery or ISR mining. And that's very different than, than open pit or underground mines. And and honestly, at 21st century mining techniques, there's nothing wrong with, I mean, we're going to have to mine a lot of things in this green energy economy, whether it's lithium, cobalt, nickel, copper, and for electric vehicles. So we should not close our minds to conventional mining. But we, um, you know, our company UEC in Wyoming and Texas um, uh, are focused on ISR mining, which is really just a reversal of the natural process that put uranium into these sandstone-hosted ore bodies over millions of years. Um, we're going in and injecting a very benign sodium bicarbonate solutions like Perrier water, and we're oxidizing uranium off the grains of sand and pumping it to the surface. So you don't have waste rock, drilling, blasting, tailings, uh, and the processing uh, you know, is not only environmentally friendly, but the capital cost and operating cost is much lower. So. You know, the U.S. industry can compete against these bigger mines in Canada and Kazakhstan, which is critical because it is a global market. 
and we've got to come in competitively against those other countries, some of which have a, a great deal of state ownership in their mining industry. So uh, we've got to just uh, mine uranium uh, smarter and, and do it in a very environmentally friendly way, which is important today. I mean, ESG, social governance, uh, environment, health and safety, uh, no matter where you are in the world in the mining industry, you've got to, uh, those got to be you know, primary focuses of your, of your company in addition to making a profit. It's fascinating. So this is probably things you think about 24 hours a day, um, that you have people or within your ecosystem, people that are just working to figure out how to safely and environmentally friendly extract and as naturally as possible mm-hmm. uranium that's just existing in i think you said limestone or sandstone sandstone yeah uh, oh, fascinating. It, uh uranium is one of the most abundant uh elements in the earth's crust so it's it's with us around us uh, uh it's just uh, for a commercial deposit you need to find it in the concentrations that justify you know the cost of mining it so uh Again, we think we've got a, a nice uh, uh, technology there. And my other company that we founded, Uranium Royalty Corp., is, is interesting because we're a capital provider to miners and developers all over the world. So we get to look at operations in Namibia or Australia, Canada, the U.S., wherever uranium is mined and uh, come alongside the, the better companies that we think have the greatest chance of success and provide financing through royalties and streams. And then in turn, we offer this portfolio of investments we've made in these miners to investors so they can uh, have a diversified exposure to the uranium commodity and not be reliant on just one company's success or failure. It, what, what does that process look like if in Australia y'all identified a viable place to 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 start a commercial operation, to, for lack of a better term, mine mm-hmm. the, the uranium, you can't just go from zero to 60, right? Because you need highly technical, strict, skilled, trained people. You need money, all those resources. Yeah, and it's um, you can imagine that the regulatory regime that we have to operate in, um, it's much like the airline industry or anything else. We have a, another layer of, of, of health and safety and permitting and licensing so that brings some of the uniqueness of the uranium market in that um, if it takes seven to eight years to permit license and construct uranium on, and that would be a pretty good achievement. Um, uh, it, it's an interesting from a price and supply and demand perspective because we, we're not as efficient in the market as, say, copper or gold or silver where you have mines coming online and prices go up and mines coming off and prices go down. We tend to have these wild swings where uranium prices go far below the global production cost because of the hedge contracts that are, that are protecting producers in low price environments. But then when prices swing up, we don't have an immediate response with supply and new production. So we tend to get periods where, like in 2007, uranium was $137 a pound. Um, and that was up from 10 or $20 a pound three, days, three year, uh, years prior. So um, that presents challenges for us as mining companies and investors in the space, but it also presents incredible investment opportunities uh, to, to be able to play these, these commodity cycles uh, that uh, in uranium are much more pronounced than, uh, than other commodities. What is the, the – and 
this is going to be a, a delayed a, a, a little while, but roughly speaking, what is the current market price of, of uranium? Or is it yeah, really high? Is it low? Yeah, the uranium price today is about thirty-two fifty a pound. It's still measured in pounds of U three hundred eight, which is the uranium concentrate or yellow cake. Um, that's been as low as seventeen dollars a pound in twenty sixteen. Um, we've seen seventy dollars a pound in in twenty ten. Um, so we're really going through what's been a long bear market downturn, um, where um, you know we saw the impacts of Fukushima really impact. Um, nuclear programs obviously in Japan and Germany but something amazing has happened during that period where we've now added 55 new reactors in the last eight years um, over 30 countries now are using nuclear energy to provide electricity and we have probably another 52 additional reactors under construction so we're coming out of what has been a very long bear market um, production has been cut way below consumption for now four going on five years so these are the kind of things that a, a resource uh, commodity investor really looks for those imbalances. So really bright future, but still $32 a pound is below the production cost of most producers. Uh, so we still have a ways to go to that $40, $50, $60 level, which would be a more healthy market. But it also indicates that we're probably in just the first or second inning of what is a, a, a exciting bull market in uranium right now. Nice. So when I think about a nuclear power plant, I think about this massive thing that will be around for a while, and then 30 years later, it will now just be outdated, and what in the world are we going to do with it? How, if, if at all, has the actual physical structure changed, and is there a way to make updates to it without just having to start over? Sure. No, it's very important. I mean, the original licenses for nuclear power plants in the United States might be 30-year licenses. But we've now gone through extensions of those licenses uh, all the way to 80-year operations. Now, like an air, airplane, that might involve uh, the replacement of key components and, and systems to update uh, that reactor to keep it in top performing condition and, and, and meet all the safety requirements. So we are extending the lives of, of most reactors in the United States and, and around the world. We're also upgrading them because we have better digital control systems and, and monitoring is much more accurate today. Uh, so we're seeing nuclear plants being uh, run, you know, again, 50, 60, 70, 80-year uh, lifespans very safely and efficiently. Um, another thing that we're seeing, uh, well, one, when they're finally uh, done with their operations, they're fully decommissioned. Uh, and, you know, we've seen uh, nuclear plants that can effectively be decommissioned and brought back to a greenfield status. Um, but I think what you're also seeing now is the emergence of small modular and advanced reactors. Um, these are the 1,500 megawatt reactors, not the 1,500 megawatt, you know, big reactors that, that we're building around the world. But they're they're quite innovative, and they have folks like Bill Gates with TerraPower out of uh, Seattle, Washington, advancing their uh, natrium reactor. And I was very fortunate to attend the announcement last two weeks ago in Cheyenne, Wyoming, where Bill Gates TerraPower is selling a 345 megawatt reactor to Warren Buffett's Pacific Corp. He owns the power company there. They've been going through, and obviously in the heart of coal country, even they're facing pressure to decommission coal-fired power plants. So they're gonna site this reactor on uh, in a community that's losing their coal-fired power plants. So, 
we're truly seeing, um, you know, the, the green energy economy is very disruptive to a lot of economies. But here's a good news story where a lot of those lost jobs in coal can come back to the construction operation of a nuclear power plant. And also, of course, we'd uh, love to hire uh, more people in, in Wyoming producing uranium that goes into these reactors. So uh, look to those SMRs, small modular reactors and advanced reactors. Uh, those can also be sited on the location of former nuclear power plants because uh, unlike the, the sort of the old saying, not in my backyard, if you look at uh, communities that have had nuclear power plants in, in their communities, uh, they have quite favorable attitudes and opinions towards them with the jobs, tax dollars, safety, everything else factors into those public opinion. And I think more broadly, too, a, a public opinion poll taken just recently uh, indicated that there's 76% favorability towards nuclear power if it can make a meaningful uh, contribution to a lower carbon future. So that's really a, a change in public opinion where it's always been kind of 50% or slightly more than 50% support. So we really have a wonderful opportunity to to provide abundant baseload power, affordable power, safe and clean. I love it. Well, Scott, people are ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them? Listen, I, you know, I think being in the mining business and, and natural resources, uh, we understand the cyclicality of, of our businesses and the prices of commodity never stay down forever and never go up forever. But it really has taught me both in a personal and, and business life to really be patient and, and uh, perseverance and patience really uh, can go a long ways. I mean, life and business will always throw up challenges, setbacks, uh, downturns, but it's, uh, it's how you embrace those challenges, stay focused, stay engaged. It's easy to withdraw or become disappointed when things aren't going your way. But, uh, you know, uh, through hard work, nothing, nothing in life that's really, truly great comes easy. And so I've learned that through our, our companies have, have always embraced these commodity price downturns and grown the companies. We've bought assets for 10 cents on the dollar. We've licensed permanent, drilled them out. So they're ready when, when the markets turn around and we're able to, to we basically have sowed the seeds and now we produce and harvest when things are good. And, um, you know, that, that's certainly, there's lessons there for life as well because, uh, you know, things aren't always going to go your way, but uh, stay focused and stay engaged. And, and uh, if your goal is a worthy one and it's uh, based on strong foundations, um, you know, good things will happen. So, uh, yeah, it's been fun to see uh, in my industry where we've seen really challenging times, but we're now really beginning to see exciting times in uranium and nuclear energy. And so uh, there is a reward at the, end of, at the end of the day if you stay focused. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets come up. Come on. Scott, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people learn more about you? How can people engage with you? Yeah, so uh, Uranium Energy uh, is traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Its ticker symbol is UEC. Uh, our website is uraniumenergy.com. Uranium Royalty Corp. is traded on the Toronto Stock Exchange at uh, URC and on the NASDAQ. Uh, it's ticker symbol UROY. And there, our website is uraniumroyalty.com. I encourage you to go on there. It's, it's hard to go in depth into those companies when we only have 20, 30 minutes. So please dive into that information and reach out to us through our IR group and, and, and I'll personally get back to you through our IR group if you want to speak with me in more detail. Love it. 
Well, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Scott your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Check out uraniumenergy.com. Trades under the ticker UEC. Check out uraniumroyalty.com. Trades under UROY. And uh, dig into those and uh, reach out and get in touch. Thanks, Good Scott. Great. Thank you, George. Have a great day. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight. We are all in this together.